Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Go to Hebrews chapter 12 tonight. I want to deal with this subject, are you interested? Are you interested? And uh, Pastor Michelle has a a saying uh, that uh, she uses, and it's this, that we're putting out leaders' food. And so that's what we've been focusing on is, is, is putting out what we call leaders' food. And that doesn't mean that somebody that's not a leader can't eat it, but, you know, the local church, I wrote the book, The Local Church, The Hope of the World, and uh, I love the local church, and I've, the reason why it's so important to me is because, of, number one, it was so important to Jesus, and number two, because I've seen the impact it has on people's lives. You know, I, I've told people over the years, you know, uh, in the local church is where I learned to be a husband. In the local church is where I learned to be a dad, where I learned to be a friend. In the local church is where I learned to have healthy relationships. Uh, you can't learn anything healthy from the world. Because there will always be an ulterior motive, right? But when you're in the church, the church is all about your good. It's all about your benefit. It's all about your success. And in Hebrews 12 and 1, we want to read something here. And uh, I want to read it to you from the Amplified Bible if I can. The, well, the writer of Hebrews, I believe it was the Apostle Paul. You may disagree with me, but we'll say, for this, to be safe, the writer of Hebrews said... You cannot, actually he said, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony of the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to and entangles us, and let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence Here it is, the appointed course of the race that's set before us. The appointed course of the race that's set before us. I've always loved this scripture, but it took on a more significance to me when my father, of course, my father in uh, April moved to heaven. And uh, I was, uh, I'd called Pastor Caldwell, him and Miss Jeannie had been praying with me and believing with me. And I called and let him know. I said, well, dad moved to heaven. And the first words out of pastor's mouth was, well, Philip, now he's a part of that great cloud of witnesses. Well, that, that, that made this more real to me. But when I look at this, I see some things. We see there's a great cloud of witnesses, but we see that they are watching to see if we're going to run the race that's set before us. I heard one Greek theologian say this, that this carries the idea of the grandstands in heaven, all right, like you're at a track meet and you're running a race, the grandstands in heaven and the spectators are cheering on the runners. And so you can name any of the great cloud of witnesses, any of the heroes of the Hall of Fame of Faith that, that, that you want that are in that cloud. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, right? Samson, David, all of these men and women of God. They're there and they're looking to see, are we going to run the race 
that is set before us. See, heaven is interested in whether or not we fulfill the plan of God for our life. They're interested. Are we going to finish it? The question is, am I interested? Am I interested in, in what God wants me to do with my life? Because according to this scripture, we have an appointed course of this race. You and I have an appointed course. And we don't just run any course. We run the course that's appointed for us. Amen. That's assigned to me. So I have an assignment. I have a course that is assigned to me, and heaven's watching to see if I'm going to run it. If, if I'm interested in running that race. Now, it should be in the forefront of our minds what we're on this planet to accomplish. It should be in the forefront of every believer's mind what they are on this planet to accomplish. The day that my life changed was when I realized that I have an assignment. I have something that God wants me to do. Amen. I, I can remember the morning. I remember the morning when I got out of bed at 7548 Corona Street in Kansas City, Kansas, and my feet hit the floor, and I knew right then at that moment, I knew I was called to be a pastor. It was when my assignment became real to me that my life changed. Amen. We're here for a purpose that is a heaven-born plan. Every person on the sound of my voice has a purpose that's a heaven-born plan. Amen. We have to want it. We have to be interested in what God is interested in, what God wants us to do. What, what I see, what I've seen so much here recently is, is people losing a lack of interest. Nothing about the plan of God has changed this year. God's plan has not changed for anyone. God, the, the plan for a pastor is still the same. The plan for the evangelist is still the same. The plan for the people of God is still the same. The plan for your life is yet the same. Amen. We have to be purposeful. We have to be accurate in what we're doing in this life. The Lord's been dealing with me about that word a lot lately, accurate. We have to have an accuracy about what we're doing in our life. Look at Philippians chapter 3. This is a heaven-born plan. It involves the local church. It involves... Let me say this. There is... Sometimes there's this idea in the local church... Well, I'll come and I'll be a part of that church until God moves me into my ministry. Well, that's backwards. Because where you're at is where you're assigned, and that's where God assigned you. So that should be where your ministry's at. There is no ladder. There's no stepping stone ministry. Well, I'll come and I'll help out there for a little while 
and, and then God will move. No, there's no stepping stone ministry. When, when a person says, that's my church, that's my pastor, that's where God called me, then you're saying your assignment is here. Got a little quiet in here, but that's okay. You're saying my assignment is there. Amen. Because that, notice what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3. And uh, this is a familiar passage of Scripture, but it's so important because uh, if you look at this, you see, you see focus. And he says in verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Then verse 15, let us therefore as many as be perfect or mature be thus minded. And if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. So Paul's saying there's a mark. There's a goal that I'm pressing towards. There's something that I have in my sights, and that's what consumes me. Is that mark and that goal, that prize. He said, that's what I'm pressing towards. Verse 13, he said, I, here's what I'm doing. I haven't apprehended everything, but I have apprehended this one thing. I am forgetting what's behind me. And the scripture says, I'm stretching forward. I'm reaching forth to those things that are ahead of me. The Woos Bible says, I'm straining like a runner at the finish line for those things that are ahead of me. And he said, I'm pressing toward the mark, toward the goal. I'm pressing towards that goal. I have it in my sights, and that's what consumes me. My assignment is what has my attention. Then he says, that believers that are spiritually mature should have that same mindset. That I'm pressing towards my assignment. Nobody under the sound of my voice or no believer or no person on this planet was just born to suck oxygen and take a paycheck. Everybody has an assignment. Everybody has something that God has called them to do. And the vehicle to facilitate that assignment and that calling is the local church. Pastor Michelle said it Sunday night. I, I want to quote her uh, correctly so that I don't uh, uh, get a copyright infringement. But <laughs> she was talking about the Lord Jesus and he said, he said uh, over and over again, Jesus made this statement. He said, I come to do the will of him that sent me. And she made this statement. I have to be able to carry out the desire of the one over me. And then she said this, the anointing is necessary for the accomplishment of what God has asked of us. Now, why is this important? Because he says that believers who are spiritually mature have this same mindset. I have an assignment. I have something that I'm pressing towards. When you get involved in pressing towards your assignment in the local church, something begins to increase on your life and the anointing begins to increase on your life. I, I, I noticed something years ago when, when I would minister. Pastor Michelle and I attended a church in Grandview, Missouri for a number of years. And uh, when the pastor would ask me to minister, I would notice something. It was easy. 
I would get up there and it was just easy. It was easy to minister. Now, not because I'm called. God revealed something to me one time. He said, it's so easy to preach in his church because when you stand behind his pulpit, you're partaking of a measure of his anointing and all the rocks and all the stumps have been moved out of that field. He's done the hard plowing and you're just in there enjoying what he's already broke up and moved out of the way. There are things that your pastor and the leadership of your church have already broken up and moved out of the way and all you got to do is come and get involved in what God's doing and that anointing starts functioning in your life and it starts growing on your life and God will use you and give you your assignment where you're at. Glory be to God. Amen. We design our life based on what we're born for. We design our life based on what we're born for. Hallelujah. Now, I know in the day and age we live in, this is a little different. Right? But we're, we're believers. You know, we're Christians. So we design our life. In other words, we don't plan an outing on Sunday morning because we have church. Right? We, we, we know where we're going to be because we're believers. My relationships are formed based on what I'm called to do. My closest relationships are preachers. Not ball players. Not musicians. Although I do like one musician a whole lot. All right. You understand what I'm saying? Why? Because you make your decisions based on what you're born for. You make decisions based on your race. What am I called to do? What race am I called to run? Hallelujah. And then you make those decisions based on that. Because that's what you're called to do. Amen. Do you see that? And so when, 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 when you make your decisions based on what you're called to do, it, it narrows and it slims down the things you're involved in, the things you can give your time to. Brother Hagin made a statement one time, and he was talking about intercessory prayer. And he said, God's going to move people back into this realm of intercessory prayer. And he said, he's going to look for people that will come aside and come away from even the legitimate pleasures of life and say, I'm willing to give that up and willing to walk away from that so I can intercede and pray for the move of God that's coming. Because that's what I'm called to do. Amen. Do you see this? There are people that want God interested in what they're doing, yet they practice disinterest in what's important to Him. But they want God interested in what they're doing. Hallelujah. And they practice disinterest in what is important to Him, which the local church, serving in the local church, making the ministry their own. Hallelujah. When you come to the local church, when you show up on Wednesdays and you show up on Sundays, and I, I know that people miss and everybody can't be at everything and I understand that. But here's the point. When you make an effort to show up, you're saying, God, I'm interested in what you have going on in this city. I'm interested in what's happening in my church. I'm interested in your plan for my life. 
Amen. When somebody gets involved serving in the local church, I, I have a problem when people can just come to church and not get involved and not do something and not, not get involved with what's going on. Why? It shows a level of disinterest. I lost my crowd. It, 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 it shows a level of disinterest in, in the things of God. Amen. Why? Why? Because as, as, as we've said before, this is not a spectator sport. God has called every one of us to do something. When you greet at the front door or you usher or you work on the praise team or the AV team or the student ministry or children's ministry, you're saying, God, I'm interested. I'm interested in what's happening in people's lives. I'm interested in what's happening in these young people's lives and the students' lives and the kids' lives. Father, I'm interested in leading your people into worship. I'm interested in helping Helping the gospel get out from this location. Hallelujah. I'm interested in it. I heard a story one time. Uh, Pastor Nancy told a story. There was a minister that was in a foreign country. And uh, he was there. And 120 pastors and their wives had come to that meeting and brought their churches. So you had 120 pastors and spouse. And 120 congregations that had come to that meeting. And he said he was sitting on the, the platform there. He was speaking that night. And he said all of a sudden Jesus appeared. And he said Jesus went over to these ministers and their wives and began introducing them to him. And he went to the first one. He said this is Pastor so-and-so. This is his wife. This is her name. This is the city they're in. And this is the name of their church. And he said they're not interested. And he went down the line and named all their names. And out of 120, there were only three couples that Jesus said were interested. Now, I'm telling you the story for a reason. You had 117 pastors that brought 117 congregations to that meeting, yet Jesus said they weren't interested. He said there's only three that are interested. And then here's what he said. And I have something more for them. Amen. God has something more for the people that are interested in what He's doing. And interested in the plan of God for their life. Amen. Being present does not mean a person's interested. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, I've been in meetings before and... and I'm saying this for a reason. I've been in meetings before and watched people shout and run and buck, and I thought, what are they running about? I mean, this is its not even the word. But then right on the other hand, I've been in services where it literally felt like the back of my head was coming off, the anointing was so strong and the word was so powerful, and I've watched people sit there and go... Lean over there, buddy. <laughs> Do you see what's going on here? Right? Because you can be present and not be interested. Hallelujah. In Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Am I helping you tonight? Luke chapter 2. And we'll read the last part of this from the Amplified Bible. This is when, of course, uh, they had went up for the Paschal week in uh, Jerusalem, and, 
and uh, Mary and Joseph had, uh, were three days journey away from Jerusalem and, and uh, realized they forgot Jesus. <laughs> I, uh, I had a young man in the Kansas location one time. He said, how are you going to forget Jesus? <laughs> so they did. <laughs> but anyway, so they went back to get him. And you know the story. They found him in the temple asking questions of the leaders and answering questions. And the Amplified Bible says that they came and they said, you know, we were looking for you. And Jesus said, how is it that you did not know that I would be in my father's house? Here it is, occupied with my father's business. I found this interesting. I don't know that I've ever thought about this before. They found Jesus in the house of God, occupied with his father's business. Notice this, at 12... At 12 years of age, Jesus knew he had an assignment and he was occupied with it. At 12. Oh, hallelujah. Whatever age we are, we should be occupied with what God has for an assignment for us. Whatever age we are, we should be occupied with the local church and our assignment in it. Whatever God has asked you to do. Amen. Yeah, but you know, Pastor, I'm 50, I'm 60. That, that makes no difference. You still have an assignment that you should be occupied with and it should grab your attention. It should grab my interest. Amen. The plan of God for Jesus was not optional. It was not optional. This is important because we have no idea what our obedience is connected to in other people's lives. You have no idea what your obedience is connected to in other people's lives. I think about Brother Hagen and, and uh, stricken when he was 16 years of age, put on his deathbed. Every doctor on his case said, you don't have one chance in a million of living. You don't have a chance in a million. Everybody said, you've got to die. Every person that's ever had this died before their 17th birthday. And he said, I was pushing on to my 17th birthday and I was going just the direction they, they, that they said I was going to go. I am so glad that he turned to those pages called Mark 11, 23 and 24 and found out that he could have what he said if he would just have faith in what God said. The mark on our lives is immeasurable because of His obedience. Amen. There was, there was a group of ministers that were talking at His home going. And it was after the funeral and they were all fellowshipping. And you know, the Scripture says, they were quoting the Scripture. The Scripture says, you know, had the devil known what was going to happen, he would have never crucified Jesus. And they said, isn't it interesting, if the devil would have known the ministry Brother Hagin was going to have, he would have never struck him with that disease. He would have never tried to kill him because it was, it, it was on that deathbed that he found the answer. And our lives were immeasurably changed. Amen. Our lives were immeasurably changed. Your obedience affects other people. Hallelujah. Your obedience to show up. I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again. Years ago, there was a lady that went to the church named Rosemary Allred. And Rosemary was married, and her husband's name was James. And uh, James was a, a heathen from the word go. 
I mean, just an all-out heathen. And, and, uh, and, and he was, they, they were both older. And uh, I found out that James liked to play golf. Now, I'm not, a go- I'm not a golfer. I've never been a golfer. I, I'm just not. I, I mean, I, I'll play if somebody really invites me, but, but it's not something I do. But I knew that I could talk to James about the Lord. He won't come to church, but I'll go to the golf course. And so I built a relationship with him and, 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 and you know, got to, got to share with him. And the long and short of it is, according to James, he was right with God when he died. And so, praise God. But here's the point. Rosemary started coming to, to FBI May to school. And uh, Rosemary couldn't sing. She could not sing. She could not carry it. She's in heaven today. Uh, she couldn't carry a tune in a, a lead bucket. It just could not. And, and I had to tell her that because she wanted to lead praise and worship. And I said, but Rosemary, you, you can't sing. <laughs> I had to let her, I had to let her, let her, let her well, that's what I thought. But I, I, it was a little softer than that. And, uh, but in any event, uh, so she came to FBI May. And, you know, at the end of FBI May, we write our ministry positioning paper. What do you feel like your position is in the body of Christ? And she wrote hers on ministry of helps and hospitality. Rosemary told me, I'm not called to preach, I'm not called to sing, but I do believe I'm called to greet. I said, okay. She was the greeter, the head greeter. When Rosemary went to heaven, she died. When she went to heaven, we had her funeral at the church. And uh, testimony after testimony came in. I had a guy that had gotten out of prison. And uh, uh, I had won him to the Lord in, in the jail. And, and he made our church his home. He'd never been to a Protestant church in his life. He was raised Catholic and uh, uh, had, had never been to a, a Bible-believing church in his life. And he came in and uh, he told Rosemary, he was carrying his prison Bible, and he said, you know, I just got out of prison. And Rosemary said, well, welcome home, and just grabbed him and hugged him. And, and he said she was crying and I was crying. And he made the statement. And this was what came out of people's mouths over and over again. They said, I'm in this church because of Rosemary. I'm in this church because of, of the, the, the compassion and the love that she had when I came to the church. Right? Kind of made me scratch my head. Well, yeah, I mean, you're not here because of my good preaching. But in any event, the, the, point, the point is is her level of obedience to just come and greet, to come and do something that very few people say, thank you for doing, but yet she's, she's got an assignment, she's got something in her mind that this is what God wants me to do. So her life began to revolve around the church. When Jesus was ministering in the room and the people couldn't get in, his mother and his brothers and his sisters were standing outside wanting to talk to him. And they said, your family's out and they want to talk to you. And Jesus motioned with his hand and he said, who is my mother and my brother and my sisters but them that hear the word of God and do it? In other words, this is my assignment. I love mom and them, but this is my assignment. 
This is what I've got to do. When Pastor Michelle and I got a hold of the plan of God for our life, I'll never forget a family member looking at me as we were sitting in their house and we were talking about what God wanted to do and, and we were talking about the vision that we had for our lives. And this family member stood up and pointed their finger at me and said, I don't know who you think you are, but you're the bottom of the barrel in this family. You always have been and you always will be. And people said, did that make you mad? No, it really didn't. Because I've noticed there's a person in front of me that has no vision. They have no concept of what God's called them to do. And I grabbed my wife's hand and I said, come on, honey, let's go do what God called us to do. I'm so glad I made that decision. If I had not made that decision in that moment, I would not be standing here tonight doing what we're doing. There are areas, there are times that you encounter in your life. And what has to come up to you is the assignment that God has on your life. What you are called to do. And in that moment, the decision you make determines whether or not you're interested or disinterested. Amen. Do you see this? We're still being blessed by Paul's obedience. Over a thousand years ago, he wrote those Pauline epistles. And we're still being blessed by his obedience. What would happen to our city, our state, our nation, and our world, if every person would get involved in the local church and every person would fulfill what they were called to do? What would happen? The safe place for your life is the plan of God. That's the safe place. That's the safe place. I remember when, when uh, God, I knew God had called me to pastor, and I was assistant pastor at a church. You know, I tell you, pastors have stories, right? And uh, it's my father's anointing, I'm sorry. But in any event, uh, I was assistant pastor at a church, and the pastor was very ill. She was very sick. And so I was, in essence, pastoring the church uh, just in the assistant pastor role. And every time I would go to church, Brother Hagen would say, you know, it was like washing my feet with my socks on. Something just wasn't right. I mean, we were seeing miracles. People were getting healed of cancer. People used to say, if, you're, if you have cancer and you don't want to get rid of it, don't come to this church. Because, I mean, because they were getting healed left and right. It was like popcorn. They would, people would just be sitting in the chairs and get healed by the power of God. And so it was wonderful. And boy, the anointing was so heavy. And, you know, I'm thinking, I should be satisfied. I should be, there's so much good going on. But God began to deal with me about something more for our ministry. And so I told my wife, I said, I'm going to set aside, and, and I, I set aside a certain number of days. I'm going to fast and pray. And I, I don't say the days because it was a lengthy fast, but I'm not trying to get you a, a, give you a formula. But it was, it, I fasted a long time, fasted over 30 days, because I wanted to know, God, what do you want us to do? I can't tell you the number of people that tried to talk me out of that. Are you sure you're doing the right thing? You sure are getting thin. You're losing weight. They couldn't see. I've got something that I'm interested in. Amen. And it was during that time that God began to deal with me about His plan for my life and gave me the outline and gave me the blueprint for what He wanted us to do. 
Amen. At any given time, I look back on these areas in my life, at any given time, I could have become disinterested in what God wanted me to do and it would have thrown the whole thing off track. But we're here tonight because of being interested in what God wants to do. I remember when I was, I was just a, a, a younger man, still a young man, but I was younger. Right? Amen. And, and I was probably maybe 18, 19 years of age. And I, I moved to Amarillo, Texas, and I was helping a church there. And uh, there were five other young men with me, and we all stayed in the old, the old parsonage behind the church, and, and we starved together, all right? We called it fasting, but we couldn't afford any food. And so we, we prayed and ate potatoes. Somebody brought us a 50-pound bag of potatoes, and, and we had baked potatoes and fried potatoes and every kind of potatoes. But anyway... Took me a while to eat a potato. But here's the point. Man, we would pray. We would get together and we would pray and we would have a prayer meeting. And there were guys in that group that could flat preach, man. They, they could preach. They were talented. They were anointed. But I look back on that group of people and I'm the only one in the ministry. I'm the only one saved. A couple of them are dead. One of them's in prison. One of them's dead. Two of them's in prison. Excuse me. What happened? They lost interest. I remember talking to one of the guys. I'd moved away and, and came back to, to visit the church. And, and he was there and he was just kind of, you know, he was, he, was, he was front row mafia, you know, when we were in the church. But, but, but now, you know, he's kind of coming in late and just hanging out in the back. And I'm talking to him. And his whole life had lost its fervency. His whole life had lost its vigor and lost its excitement. Why? Because he was no longer focused on the assignment God gave him. Does that make sense? Hallelujah. The safe place for your life is the plan of God. In John 17 and 4, the Amplified Bible says that Jesus said, I've glorified you down here on the earth, notice, by completing the work you gave me to do. By completing the work you gave me to do. Hallelujah. One man said this. He said, the two most important days are the day you're given life and the day you find out why. Jesus said, I've glorified you by completing the work you gave me to do. He Glorified the Father by carrying out His assignment. In Acts 20 and 24, Paul said this, the Living Bible, he said, But life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. But life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. I told a group of ministers one time, I said, if you're called of God, you're good for nothing else. Amen. You're good for nothing else. I run into ministers all the time, and I'm not, I'm not being hard, but I run into ministers all the time, and I've had them tell me, I wish I could do what you're doing. Well, what? What do you, what do you mean? Oh, you know, full-time ministry. I'd love to be in full-time ministry. I'd love to get rid of this job. There's no formula. It's hunger. It's desire. 
It's being focused. When, when the Lord came to me and he said, February 22nd, 1999 is the last day on your job, your secular job, best job I'd ever had. My family was more blessed than we'd ever been. We had never had financial stability till that point. And he said, February 22nd is the last day on your job. I was pastoring the church. And he said, I want you to go into full-time ministry. He said, you'll not lack for anything. Things will increase. I'll take care of you, but I need you to step off that job. God will say that to anybody that's desirous to do something for God. It's, it's not being able to do it. and just, it's, it's not, I wish I could. It's what are you focused on? Where is your focus? What do you believe your assignment is? When you really believe that what you are called to do is what you were made for, what God imprinted your spirit with, what you are designed to do, and you are good for nothing else. I'd make a lousy shoe salesman. I'd make a lousy roofer, a lousy carpenter. Not because I couldn't learn to do it. Not because I'm not talented. Not because I, 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 I'm not well spoken. But because that's not my call. That's not what God called me to do. God called me to pastor. God called me to build faith and frame people's worlds by the word of God. And God called each person here that calls this your home church. God called you to be involved in the same thing. Building faith and framing people's worlds by the word of God. And you faith builders are good for nothing else. Good for nothing else. Amen. Do you see this? 1 Corinthians 16 and 15. Oh, glory to God. Paul is talking about a family in Achaia that was the first fruits of that region. And the King James says that they have addicted themselves to the gospel. The, the, the word addicted is, is the word devoted. They've addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. The Living Bible says they are spending their lives helping and serving Christians everywhere. Spending their lives. The New English Bible says they have laid themselves out to serve God's people. Think about that. Every time you come to church and you greet or you usher or you work in the AV or you help on the praise team or in one of the departments, you are doing what? You are giving your life to serve God's people. You're giving your life to serve God's people. I, listen, I've done every job in the local church. I know what it's like to come to church sometime. And the last thing you want to do is stand at that door or, or go do or usher or catch one more person. I mean, why they always give me the big one? And, and I'm, I'm always calling, right? right what? what? <laughs> Amen. Why, why, why they always have me greeting when it's cold and, and that door doesn't stop the wind and it's, it's cold out here or whatever. I know what it's like to come to church and, and it would just be nice to just sit and just hear the word. But here's the thing. If everybody's just sitting, if everybody is just coming and enjoying and feeding, where is the ministry to the saints? The church is a ministry. People will say, well, I go to that ministry. Well, the ministry has ministers, not just a minister. It has ministers. I'm the head minister. I'm the pastor. I am the H-R-I-C, the head redneck in charge. I am, he, right? Right? 
You understand? But here, here's the thing. Everybody's a minister. Everybody has something that I'm called to do. And that, that is I am giving my life helping people. Every time someone in the nursery changes a diaper, they're serving God. Every time someone in the children's ministry uses a puppet and touches a child's life, they are serving God. Every time the youth ministry and the student ministry gets a new video, gets a new way to reach that young person, they are giving their lives in the service of God to the ministry of the saints. Never think that what you're doing is just a job. It is ministry to the people of God. It is having a heavenly impact. It's having an eternal reward that's accruing to your benefit right now. Hallelujah. When you run the camera and you help get the gospel out to people. Amen. You're not just running the camera. You're becoming the mouthpiece for what God's trying to say at that moment. Glory be to God. Do you see that? And you're giving yourself. Another translation says they laid themselves out to serve God's people. It carries the idea that you're giving your all. Amen. You're giving your all to serve God's people. You know, in the book of Ephesians, and we won't go there, but Ephesians 4, it talks about the ministry gifts. It says, and God has given, uh, he, Jesus, has given some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the edifying, for the, excuse me, for the perfecting of the saints, the maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now notice what it says there. The fivefold ministry matures the believer so that they can edify the church with the work of the ministry. In order to be an edifier, I have to be involved in the ministry. Every person's coming here to be trained for the work of the ministry. I didn't say the work of preaching or teaching. The work of the ministry. Ministry's work. It's spelled W-O-R-K. So, so whatever that may be, if you're on the clean team, Tonight, after church, there'll be people that'll grab brooms and grab vacuums and grab toilet brushes and they'll scrub toilets and and wash windows and disinfect and vacuum. You're not doing that for me. You're not doing it. You're not doing it for for the, the just the church. You're doing that for the people that come to the church. You're doing that for Jesus. You're vacuuming Jesus' carpet. You're cleaning Jesus' toilet. You're 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 disinfecting Jesus' church. You're ministering to Him. And what happens? The Bible says, and we'll read it in a minute, Revelation says your works will follow you. Isn't that beautiful? So there's a blossoming. Every every time you come and you get involved in what God's doing, something's blossoming in your life. Something's happening in your life. You become a sweet-smelling fragrance to God. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 16 and 16, we just read verse 15. Paul talks about that family. And then the Living Bible, he says, please follow their instructions and do everything you can do to help them. The Woost Bible says, put yourself under the leadership as such of these. So notice that Paul says the people who should be followed are those who are spending their lives laying themselves out for the gospel. 
Those are people that he says are worthy to be followed. Every time you greet, every time you usher, every time you work in the AV, children's ministry, students' ministry, any team, you're addicting yourself to the ministry of the saints. You're addicting yourself to the ministry of the saints. You're devoting yourself to that. You're spending your life. Paul said this concerning one church. He said, I will most gladly spend and be spent by you. That's so important. Hallelujah. Because in the day that, that we live in, we have such an entitlement mindset in so, many, in so many areas. And I'm not against this generation. I think this generation will be mildly used of God. But here's what I'm saying. We have such an entitlement mindset. A man wrote a book one time called The Haves and the Have-Nots. And he said, what's the difference between the haves and the have-nots? And he, 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 he quoted a uh, statistic one time. Now, this is many years ago. Uh, the, the department store chain, Macy's. Their employees were complaining because they were hiring leadership from outside. So they went and invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in a leadership program and started an in-house leadership program. Here's what they found. Only 3% of the complaining employees bothered to sign up. It's free. They were going to use that group to fill their leadership positions. And only 3% of people signed up for it. It was free. The difference between the haves and the have-nots is this. The haves get to work and make things happen, and the have-nots want everything to happen for them. Amen. When we come to church, it's not just what can happen for me there, it's what can I do for God while I'm there. Amen. You're spending your life for the only thing that has eternal rewards attached to it. In, in Revelation 14 and 13, we'll read this and I'll be done. One hour of power. You didn't think I could do it. Hallelujah. This, this is important. Because, because I've, when, when I came to understand these things, that there's something eternal about what we're doing. The Lord said to me one time, I was coming to church on Sunday. He said it several times since, but I remember the first day he said it. And, and I was coming to church, and I, I happened to see people out running and, and exercising. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I do that. Other people do that. But it's Sunday morning. And the Lord said to me, he said, Philip, he said, there are multiplied, this is the words he used, multiplied thousands of people that got up this morning and gave no thought to what I wanted for their life. He said, they are living their life like there is no eternity. They're living their life like it doesn't matter, like the things of God don't matter. God invested so much in you. Amen. Amen. That the only thing that will follow me into eternity is what I do for Him. Notice Romans, or excuse me, Revelation 14 and 13. 
And I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Right blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. From henceforth, saith the Spirit, they may rest from their labor and their works do follow them. Their works follow them. What you do for God follows you. Hallelujah. Every time you change a diaper in the nursery, that's going to follow you. That's going to follow you. When you read through the four Gospels and you see how many times Jesus ministered to children, I call it the missing ministry of Jesus because people never talk about it. Every time he ministered to children, the disciples said, we're trying to push the children out of the way, and Jesus said, no, let them come to me because such is the kingdom of heaven. They were important to Jesus. Read, read about the people that Jesus raised from the dead. Most of them were kids. Young people. My point is, every time you change a diaper, that's going to follow you. You may not think that's a very spiritual thing. It's a very spiritual thing. You're ministering to those children. Amen. Every time you, you use a puppet, every time you put on that Rover Comer costume, every time you serve a treat, every time you help a child learn a Bible verse, that work is following you. Amen. Hallelujah. And those type of ministry, student ministry, children's ministry, nursery ministry, they can be some of the most thankless parts of what we do because that three-year-old doesn't know how to tell you how much they appreciate what you're doing. That two-year-old doesn't understand how to say, you, you really mean a lot to me. I mean, it means a lot that you change this diaper. It really does. Amen. But I want you to picture Jesus leaning over and saying, Gloria, Mary, that means a lot to me. That's a blessing to me that you're willing to do that. He's leaning over at Carlos. He's saying, Gene, Carlos, it blesses me. Whether you got one or 20 in that class, you minister the Word of God. It blesses me. Amen. He's leaning over saying, Tavakal, that means a lot to me that you're helping keep order in the, in the house of God. Richard, it means a lot to me that you're running that AV and making, right? I could go on and on. My, those works will follow me. Those works will follow me. And when you make that your decision, and I'll close with this. I realize that people come to, to local churches, and I realize that God, at times God moves people out and, and, and moves them into to ministries, and, and, and that's fine. I mean, I believe in that. He did that to me. But here's, here's the thing. By and large, by and large, God anoints you and gives you a ministry where you're at, by and large. You are a part of a local church for a reason, and that's to make a difference in the lives of people. Amen. Do you see that? So, Father, tonight, Lord, I just pray that what we have said would impact the hearts and the spirits of those listening. And Lord, that we would see your great grand plan for our life is so rich and so multifaceted that you placed us in a local church and gave us an opportunity to minister and an opportunity to impact lives with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And we praise you for it and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Well, go ahead and let's stand up.